Welcome to another edition of the Music City Drive-In, brought to you by Geek Vibe Nation. On today's episode, Jacob and I are going to dive into our Oscar reactions as the nominations were announced this morning, as well as we're going to start our friendly little competition of the best of decade. I can't wait to dive into that a little bit later. I am joined by uncut, non-nominated Oscar nominee, not Sandman. He's not entering Sandman. Gems, Jacob, how are you, buddy? Uh, he's not this year, but I, I think if he keeps trying, he will uh, coming up soon. I'm, I'm excited with a lot of these awards, um, and I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, I am as well. Um, as as Jacob is well aware, um, I have been battling it on the Twitter.com today um, with some individuals over a certain particular uh, Best Director nominee, not to mention any names, Todd Phillips. But um, it, it was a very black and white um, nomination this morning. Um, there was very little to be just kind of shocked about. Um, I really can't wait to dive right into these, Jacob, with you. And uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with the one that was that had one of the big shockers in it, and that's Supporting Actress. Uh, we have Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Jacob, instant reaction on this Supporting Actress. Yeah, so um, I think everyone knows the big snub was J-Lo. Um, I mean, she had been killing the awards circuit all year, and then she missed out, which sucks because I don't think Jennifer Lopez will have another shot. Um, she's just not that kind of actress, in my opinion. Um, but the big surprise was Kathy Bates and Scarlett Johansson. Um, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, when she got in for JoJo, I knew she was going to be double nominated. And I really think that unless she steals votes from herself, which I don't think will happen because I think Laura Dern's going to absolutely just annihilate this category. I think Scarlett Johansson has some chances in some other places, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I don't know about you, but when they said Florence Pugh and they said Margot Robbie right after, I was very worried that it was going to be for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, luckily, she did get in for Bombshell, which is very deserving because I mean she to me she was the standout in Bob Shell. Um, to be honest with you, I crazy enough can say that I there was just something I said and I said it on the twitter.com yesterday about how I just had this weird feeling that Jayla would get snubbed and I just I surprisingly went five for five in this category. For me, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, that one's a little befuddling to me. I liked her in that movie. I just didn't think that it was worthy of a nomination. Robbie, I thought should have been a slam dunk, and P, but P was my favorite part of Little Women. Um, the, it, Kathy Bates was good, and Richard Jewell, I, I don't know if it was Oscar worthy. I'm not mad about any of these five. And to be honest with you, there's I don't think there's anything really to be mad about with these five. I think it's a solid five. Um, and then moving on to Best Supporting Actor, The Over 90 Club. Tom Hanks for Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. Al Pacino, The Irishman. Joe Pesci for The Irishman. And then, of course, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Jacob? Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a lineup from the 90s. <laughs> it's it's uh, this whole went back too, in time. Um, you know, the, for me, and I know Ricky's on the same page, the Anthony Hopkins nomination, that's the one that kind of befuddles me. Um, I don't know what many people saw from 
the two popes, but apparently enough people saw it. Um, but I knew the second Anthony Hopkins got in that Jonathan Price was a lock. Um, for me, the big and forever snub is going to be Shia LaBeouf. Um, he gave the he gave the best performance of the year, without a doubt. Uh, I can't I can't think of anyone who gave a more heartfelt, honest, raw, emotional, just powerful performance than what Shia LaBeouf did. Um, you know, but so with saying that, I mean Brad Pitt's going to win. It's the same as supporting actress. Laura Dern's won everything she's needed to. The only person who had been fighting against Laura Dern was J Lo, and J Lo didn't get in. So in this, I mean Brad Pitt's walking away with it, which is good. Uh, he'll get his first ever acting win. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, it's really just what you expected. Um, Tom Hanks getting in after 19 years is very good. Um, you know, he's had some performances over the year, most notably Cat, not Castaway, most notably Captain Phillips, that he definitely should have got nominated for. But it's nice to see him kind of get his name back in the race. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a big proponent on that one either, to be honest with you. I, I could care less about that performance. Um, if we're going to talk about deserving or not deserving or whatever have you, to be honest with you, there is – I would have sub substituted at least three of these guys. Like that's the big thing for me. Like, I agree. I agree. You know, I, I think Hanks could go, Hopkins can go, and Pesci could have went, and I would have been more than fine with – Substituting with those with guys that actually deserve the nominations. Happy for all the guys. It is what it is. It's Brad Pitt's award. End of story. But I just kind it's, of felt lacklustered by that category. It's crazy though because you know I I agree with you with the Joe Pesci thing. I don't know what I needed to see this movie again because um, I don't know really what was so alarming with Joe Pesci's performance, but. Just the fact it that Joe Pesci like, was in a movie for the first time in 150 years. I feel yeah, like that's what it is. It seems like, though, if Brad Pitt somehow doesn't win, that Joe Pesci is going to be the one to take it. And I'm not saying he won't, but I'm saying Joe Pesci is probably the one closest on his tail, um, even though it might be a little far tail away. I agree 100%. And that's going to slide into best performance uh, and the leading actress nominees were... Cynthia Rovia for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Cersei Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and your more than likely winner, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Um, obviously, the big one that pops off right there, Jacob, is no Lupita. Um, if you if you want to if you want to tell the tape of everybody that was nominated, I think that we thought or had the potential of being nominated because obviously shy for both of us in our opinion should have been nominated but we knew that that wasn't going to happen there we knew there was a very like a point zero one percent chance of that happening lapita i think when it came down to it it was either lapita or rovia and Arovia is just more of a harriet role and it's like a in your face it's a simplistic role that was very easy to watch the film versus us is not for everybody which is kind of crap anyway but to be honest with you it is what it is you know i don't really know what i could say lapita should have been in this lapita probably should have won she's my 1a 1b of best female performance of the year not just female but she gave one of the best performances of the year in us i don't really know what to say jacob um no i agree uh i actually you know renee zellweger's that 
you know, that wave's been riding for so long, and I do think it crashes here. And I think Scarlett Johansson being, you know, it's hard. In my eyes, it's hard to be nominated twice in one uh, year and lose both of them. And so I think she has the best chance of winning. Um, Cynthia Cynthia Arrivo was the big surprise for me. I have been known to really not like Harriet. Um, I didn't think her performance was all that great. But, you know, she's the only person of color who really got in to any of the acting. And so it's nice to see her in. I just wish it would have been someone with a different role than, you know, a slave role, um, especially for, you know, an African-American getting in. Um, In my eyes, I would love if Saoirse Ronan won this. You know, she's not 25 and this is her fourth nomination already. And so I really I would love if she just surprised everyone and took it. Yeah, to be honest with you, my out of if I had to pick out of these, Charlize Theron for Bombshell would run away with this award. She's very deserving of the award. She was phenomenal in Bombshell. Out of these five, she is my pick. I would pick her hands down every day of the week. She was my pick in the Music City uh, Critic Association Awards as well. Um, so Theron, I think, should win, but it is what it is. And that's going to transition into the leading actor. We had Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I Told You So America, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Uh, Jacob, the funny thing about it is as soon as you heard Anthony Hopkins, you already knew Price was in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, did yeah, you feel that I knew, and I, well? I didn't know. In, in my eyes, I didn't know if that was going to be Taryn's spot that was taken or Leo's. And with how, with how popular once upon a time is with the academy and with of course you know we'll talk we'll probably talk about in a minute with how much rocket man was just overlooked entirely by the academy um you could kind of start to tell that you know taron wasn't going to make it i mean that's that's my big snub he gave he gave such a powerful performance as elton john as such a beloved figure you know we said all last year that rami malik only got in because of freddie mercury you know his performance wasn't what got him in it was freddie Mer- playing freddie mercury got him in and it's just crazy to see how playing elton john a guy who's still you know around and still very relevant couldn't push taron over the edge um someone who's been working so hard to get this nomination um, but yeah, I mean, once Anthony Hopkins' name was announced, him and Jonathan Price go hand in hand, and I knew Price's uh, nomination was just waiting to come. Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, this one didn't surprise me. Um, the Two Popes is such an Academy movie; it's not even funny. Um, Jacob and I have a very high agreement of that film, and we're not hundred percent sure. I'll tell you what, Egerton was in my five. He would have been in my five. Um, I think Egerton probably gave my fourth or fifth favorite performance of the year. Um, look, we all know Joaquin Phoenix is winning this Oscar. It, it's not, It's there's no ands, ifs, or buts. He, he, he's going to win it. He deserves it. I, he, he gave the best performance of the year last year. And to be honest with you, I feel like the one thing that's going to be crazy about Phoenix winning is if this is any other year I think DiCaprio wins... Um, if if the Joker is just an okay film and Phoenix was just okay and he wasn't groundbreaking in it, like he, you know, just if he wasn't, if he wasn't Joaquin Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and he and he's not quote unquote, he's overdue his Oscar as well. 
but um, I think DiCaprio probably wins this award because as I as and as I as I dissect Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, for me every time I watch that film, the the movie gets so much better. But I grow to appreciate DiCaprio's performance every single time. It's one of those films that I will probably watch a hundred times in my life because I just think it's that great of a film. So, it, lost in all of this whole entire craziness, and we'll dive into that in just a few minutes. But we've had some great foot, we've had great male performances this year, and you know George McKay no. being left out was is was a little heartbreaking. Obviously, there was no oomph from that side of the world it was never really going to happen i know there was a little late push just because of it you know the love of 1917 i i don't think that it was even a question he probably was eight nine or ten or something like that on, on most people's uh ballots but for me it's it's a great year i think driver dicaprio and phoenix's performance were all just amazing and very deservingly of being here so i'm, I'm excited for that upper upper echelon of these uh actors in this role yeah no i agree i mean i've i've gone on record joaquin phoenix made joker i mean he he took that film and just absolutely elevated it to a, an entirely different level um it would be interesting to see if leo hadn't won for the revenant if you know how how different this race would be because um, i agree i mean this is probably my second favorite leonardo performance it might be his best performance um i think wolf on wall street is my favorite performance from him um but i agree i think any other year uh with you know different aura around the nomination i think leo and adam are going head to head but just because of what walking phoenix did for that movie in general um, you know, I, I don't think if Joaquin Phoenix isn't in that lead role, I don't think Joker gets the 11 nominations it got. Um, you know, I don't think it gets Best Picture. I don't think it gets anything. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix just elevated that film so much and did such a great job in that role to where, you know, this I would have rather him won for different performances, but it's nice that he's actually going to finally get his win. I agree 100%. All right, folks, now it's time to dive. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording and hosting. And distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. And ridiculously easy to use. And now... Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if all if you've always wanted to start a podcast making money to do it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I cannot wait to hear your podcast. Into the very controversial category of the day, and that's the director. Um, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, 1917, Sam Mendez. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, and Mr. Todd Phillips for The Joker. Um, look, I will be first to say that women should be nominated. Women should be within the grand scope of things, and they should be taken more uh, serious and instead of shedding that light, instead of criticizing one individual because we think his 
direction of a film was not on the same level as the rest of the guys or somebody else's. All of it is a fact of opinion. I hate Uncut Gems. Jacob loves Uncut Gems. Jacob thinks the direction in Uncut Gems is phenomenal. I think it's just mediocre. Jacob loves Adam Sandler's performance in it. I did not like Adam Sandler's performance in it. It's a difference of opinion. I give I give crap to Jacob on a consistent basis about Uncut Gems. I gave him crap at the beginning of the episode about Uncut Gems. I loved the Joker. I don't think that his direction was lackluster or terrible or mediocre or or whatever have you. I enjoyed the movie as a collective whole. I think the film was one of the best movies of the year. It was in my top 10. I think the direction was great. I think the writing was fine. I think the performance was amazing. I think there's so many layers of this film. But I think if you're going to direct your hate trip towards anything, direct it towards the Academy. Don't direct it towards Todd Phillips because you think he's less than anybody else. It's not Todd Phillips' fault that he got nominated for the film. It's just like if you get a promotion at work and everybody just stands around you and tells you how much you suck. Nobody wants that. Don't rain on Todd Phillips' parade because you didn't like the film or you didn't like what he, that you don't like that he's in this category. So that's my biggest thing about this entire thing, and I've been going back and forth tirelessly on Twitter, and I will wave the Todd Phillips flag because of that reason. It's not Todd Phillips' fault that he got nominated for Best Director. The Academy voted. They have voted for the five, in their opinion, the best picture, best directors, and we don't all agree. I don't think, my five would not include Martin Scorsese. I've been very critical of the Irishman on this podcast. I've been very critical of the Irishman on everything that I could you know, talk about. It was one of the biggest disappointing films for me of last year because I love Martin Scorsese. I am the biggest Scorsese fan in the entire world. He's my favorite director. But it does not take away from what he did in that film. You don't have to like the, the direction of the film. But if you don't like that he's nominated, do not go after Phillips himself. Go after the Academy as a whole. As an equation of saying, vote for more women. Make more women be nominated. Because it is wrong. It is stupid. It's stupid that we consistently have this conversation. It's stupid that we have to consistently have the conversation about women of color not being nominated in categories, men of color not being nominated in categories, when there's justifiable performances within each and every one of these categories which justified the the uh, nominations. This category, maybe maybe a woman does belong. Little Greta Gerwig didn't give my favorite direction of the entire year. I think the biggest, in my personal biggest snub would be Noah Baumbach. I think Noah Baumbach directed a fantastic film. I think Noah Baumbach deserved in this, deserved in this five before Martin Scorsese did for The Irishman. But like I said, I'm happy for Todd Phillips. I think it's great. I love when a director or a writer or both transform themselves from this crazy background. We're talking about a guy that wrote and directed The Hangovers, now is an Oscar-nominated director for a not a comedy. And that to me is great. It's like Adam McKay is the same kind of story. And I've read all my rant. I went all quote-unquote werewolf for you, Jacob. You can have the floor, sir. Um. So my whole thing with Todd Phillips is, you know, it with all these directors, 
they brought something to the table to where with Joker, Todd Phillips didn't bring anything to the table. In my opinion, it was all Joaquin Phoenix, who that's why I think Joaquin Phoenix definitely deserves to win because he's the one who kind of transformed this film. Todd Phillips, in my opinion, did exactly what Peter Fairley did last year, where he put the camera in front of an actor and let him do his thing. There's nothing that I mean, you with Bong Joon-ho, you have such an expertly crafted political, divisive comedy, horror, thriller, what you name it with Quentin Tarantino. He crafts one of the most beautiful looks at Hollywood and fantasies in the late 60s. With Sam Mendes, he creates an original piece of art that is done in such a way that is so inspiring and groundbreaking, something that changes the game and will change films forever. And with Martin Scorsese, I agree with you. With Martin Scorsese, though, he creates a culmination of every film he's ever made and done it in such a way that is so beautiful and heartfelt that is basically a love letter to everything he's ever done. With Todd Phillips, I don't see him bringing anything to the table that really changes Joker. If you take Todd Phillips away and you put me as the director of Joker and I go out there and I take a camera and I place the camera, I tell the cinematographer to do their work and I push play and let it run, I could probably get nominated for Joker. I don't think Todd Phillips deserves to be in here. Now, I'm not mad at Todd Phillips. He did nothing but his job. You know, he, I don't think, like I said, I don't think he deserves to be in here, but at the same time, he did his job. I just feel like there were plenty of people who did his job better. Um, now, I, you know, I think the cinematography definitely deserves to be in. The score definitely deserves to be in. The, you know, the actor, uh, the picture, I think the movie definitely deserves to be in. But I think Todd Phillips is the one where nothing was brought to the table that changed Joker for me. You know, you take you take Sam Mendes away from 1917, I don't think you have the same film. You take Quentin Tarantino away from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you don't have the same film. You take Bong Joon-ho away from Parasite, we don't even know what it is. Um, you know, with Todd Phillips, I think there's so much around that helped him, and he just kind of rode off the coattails or the curtails of it to this Best Director nomination. Um, you know, and he's not—he's not a bad writer. He's written—he's been Oscar nominated already before this movie. He was Oscar nominated for writing um, Borat. Which, I mean, it's Borat, it's a comedy, but it's still one of the best written and funniest comedies of the 2000s. Um, but going off, even his screenplay, Joaquin Phoenix is the one who changed most of that. The whole bathroom dance scene, Todd Phillips didn't write that. Joaquin Phoenix performed that. And that's why, you know, I'm not going to get mad at Todd Phillips. You know, the Academy's whatever. I think, you know, Greta Gerwig, I think Noah Baumbach, I think... Um, the Safdie brothers, I think. Um, see, and that's Alba the thing. Harrell, I think. And see, that's the thing. That's where the disagreement to me is. I do think that Todd Phillips is one of the had, in my opinion, again, in my opinion, 
gave his direct. I, I think his direction was fine in it. I thought his direction was very good in it. I, I liked his direction in the film. Yeah, you have an actor that elevates the film in ways that but, no but other actor can. Tell me, can. tell me, but tell if me you what take, you think he but if did you take, you take George, if you take George McKay out of 1917, it doesn't work the same way. Is that a criticism to to? To to talk to no, Sam but see, Mendes. see, I don't think but just that, because though. you think, I think because... just because you think Phoenix is 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 elevated each in particular scene. To me, there's so many things like you could literally nitpick every film known to man. The thing about it is, is I felt like the way that the Joker was layered was beautiful. The way the direction from start to finish, the way that they interpreted the story within the screenplay. I, I think the screenplay is great. I don't care what any – that's another one that I know that people don't agree with, and that's fine. And yes, Phoenix took some stuff off the pages and, and, and really knocked it out of the ballpark. And I've, I've been very vocal about how I felt like at the same time Bombac's script was beautiful for Marriage Story because it was a fine line. He wants his director, you know, he wanted his actors to perform the script exactly how he had it written. He, there was no, you know, he didn't want anybody to ad lib a whole bunch of things. When you give the freedom to a, when Todd Phillips gave the freedom to Phoenix, he, you know, they created this beautiful piece of work, and that to me is where the frustrating thing is. Is the the same the, the thing about it is that the same people not 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 saying you I'm just saying there's so many individuals that are just nitpicking this film right now in ways that they weren't nitpicking it four or five months ago when the movie came out it was universally loved by so many people there was the core group of individuals that hated the film there was the core group of individuals that didn't want this film to succeed there's a core group of individuals that just did not want anything from this film or were disgusted by this film. I think the film told a beautiful story. I think the, the, the story was, 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 was told in a way that it needed to be told in the, in the perfect way. The way the mental illness was handled throughout the film was perfect. It was a portrait, it was a portrait, uh, portrait of exactly what happens in society to this day. I, I'm see. not going to say, again, I'm not going to say it was the best directed, but I disagree with you. I don't think Greta Gerwig was a better direction than Todd Phillips. I, but see, I, but, but what I, Greta Gerwig did is she took a story that's been done three times already, and she thing. did it something It was greatly new. written. It was. But at the same time, our Little Women was not better than Joker. It was not a better film. It wasn't better directed. It wasn't. Be it, it, it was not a better film for me. Like it did not hit this. The, remember, I like Little Women. I thought Little Women was a good film. But I mean, Honey Boy's a better film. Honey Boy's better than Joker. What? Honey Boy's. Honey Boy's a better film. Better directed film. You know, I, I think that James Mangold's direction in Ford versus Ferrari was was better than the conversation we're having about some of the people. Like, let's stop making about it one individual. Let's start making it about the problem that's in hand. And if you want to say the Academy is the problem, then go go after the Academy. Don't attack the man for what he did. He felt like his work was. Other people felt like his work was elevated, and that his work elevated the movie. Because if he did, if they didn't feel that way, I don't think they would have put him in this predicament. Because honestly. This movie was 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 a great film. It's it's a film that will stand the test of time. Ten years from now, fifteen years from now, twenty years from now, this will be a great film. And that to me is the important piece of this entire thing as well. That's why it's nominated for the most nominations I, of every film. You and I don't I don't disagree with you on any standpoint. I just like I said, every director brought something different to the stage, and I think 
in my opinion. But that's the thing, though. Like, it's voc it's vocalized, though. It's very vocalized. Sam Mendes brought this to the table. Once Upon a Time brought this to the table. Um, uh, uh, you know, Bong Joon Ho brought this to the table. And and and. But the thing about it is, again, night the the Irishman was not a great film. It wasn't even a good. It was a it was an okay film. Martin Scorsese's direction was just okay. Why are we not attacking Martin Scorsese? Why? Because it's Martin Scorsese. It's because it's Todd Phillips. That's the problem here. It's not because of it's anybody else. If Noah Baumbach would have been directed, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That's the thing. It's because it's Tom Phillips. The direction in The Irishman was not good. It was a three and a half hour movie that should have been two hours long. It was not direct. The pacing of the film was horrendous. Again, this is coming from somebody that loves Martin Scorsese. I'm not saying that, that that Joaquin Phoenix didn't help elevate the film. I'm not saying that 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 Todd Phillips was exactly the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I'm saying his direction was good. I'm saying that we're talking about if, if you put it if you put it direction direction versus in my opinion the 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 Joker is a better directed film than the Irishman was. And I'm absolutely crazy for saying that. And everybody in the world would probably think that it, it, it's it. I don't know. Again, I, see, can... it's it's like I said. It's for me, what he did here is the exact same thing Peter Fairley did last year. And you know, Peter Fairley got all the love. They got the best picture. They got he got everything he ever wanted. But in my eyes, he walked up, got Walking Phoenix, turned a camera, didn't even turn a camera on, gave it to a cinematographer, turned the camera on, and just let him do his thing. I I don't feel Todd Phillips did much but also at the same time i'm in the minority of this because like you said he got best director i'm not mad at todd phillips i'm not mad at i'm not even mad at the academy they can choose whatever they want i'm upset that this one took other nominations but that doesn't mean that i have to be angry or mad at a certain person because of that um you know, I, everything you said about the Joker, you have full right to believe, but it just it, nothing. Nothing stood out. Nothing. I mean, you you brought up George McKay with 1917, and the biggest thing with 1917 is he wanted unknowns. You take anyone else, any other unknown, and throw them in there. I mean, it's the same movie. It's you know, the, Sam Mendes crafted such a beautiful film in general that you put anyone in that role and it is an incredible incredible film i mean you think last back last year to alfonso coran uh with roma you know a lot of people don't like roma but that direction in that film bringing back it was a okay style, it was okay it no was listen okay. bring it list bringing back a style that was done in the 40s and redoing that with a person personal story in black and white in a foreign film that's all it's new it's new and it's innovative and i think for best director i think for any of these awards it needs to be things that are going to change you know the categories for the better i don't think todd phillips did anything that will change you know but change it directing have to be that for the way, better. it doesn't have to be he doesn't ha his, his direction didn't have to revitalize the way you direct films for the next and that's why years. i don't think he should be in best director that's that's but that doesn't thing. mean he didn't that doesn't mean he didn't direct a great film he didn't do anything that is the whole thing he, but that's he just he, how do you he, know how do you know todd phillips didn't do anything on the set 
Because I've, I've seen the movie. I didn't do anything for the movie. How does the how did any of the voters know what he did on set? They don't. They watch the movie and they see what he and, and they, they see how the movie played out. With, they agreed that his direction in that film was phenomenal. And that's fine. They can do that. Exactly. But, but stop criticizing to... Todd Phillips for this. That's my big thing. I'm not criticizing Todd I'm Phillips. I'm not saying you I'm are. Just, I'm just saying Look, I'm not going to go after Todd Phillips, but in the same vein, you know, you have – for me, I have to point out when I don't think something – But the thing is about it is – but you agree with me on the Irishman. Then point out the flaws within the Irishman. Point out the flaws in the direction of the Irishman. That's the thing. I think, like, the, I think the direction of the Irishman was one of the best parts. I think – you know, I think – I think that the pacing and some of the other stuff, but I think the direction in general – some of the shots that he blocked out, some of the uh, how he got, you know, from point A to point B, even though there was a point A, Z, A, F, That's A, whatever. That's the problem, though. That's the thing. That is part of the thing. Nothing he did was innovative in that film that could is going to be used for 100 generations, other than please stop making three and a half hour films. The movie had it, – it, it, it was it – was, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm ready. We're, we're going to transition to best picture. And the nominees were Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, no surprise here, Jacob, to be honest with you. There really wasn't. Um, it was funny. I didn't think Ford versus Ferrari was getting enough love that I thought that maybe it would be left off here. I'm excited that it wasn't. I, I tweeted out earlier, six of the nine films that are nominated for Best Picture are in my top ten, and Jojo Rabbit's in my top fifteen, um, Little Women's not in, in mine, but, and then The Irishman's not, but you know, seven of the nine are in my top fifteen, so I was pretty okay with these. Um, your thoughts, Jacob? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't very... The, the biggest thing with me this year's Oscars is that... The, the biggest surprise was that there were no surprises. I mean, it was so straightforward. Everything you thought was going to happen, happened. Um, the same with Best Picture. Uh, you know, I had these were my one through nine, and then my ten was Knives Out. And, you know, I would trade Knives Out for JoJo. i trade Knives Out probably for Ford versus Ferrari. Um, but like you said, I mean, seven, seven of these, or eight of these actually, are in my top 30. Um, you know, seven of them are in my top 25, I think. The only one that didn't stick with me was Jojo Rabbit. I'm just not a big fan of the movie. I just don't, I don't understand all the love for it. But, you know, if it gets nominated, it gets nominated. Um, I, you know, I personally, I think this is a three-way race between 1917 Joker and Once Upon a Time. Um, we're not going to get into some of the smaller categories, but I think Once Upon a Time missing on the editing is huge for its Oscar chances. Um, it's the same thing that happened last year with Roma missing on editing and Green Book not missing on editing and Green Book eventually going on to win. Um, I think with 1917, I don't think it matters that it missed on editing and it missed on acting because the biggest thing of 1917 is the technical and um, direct directorial and sound experience of the film um so i think to me personally i think 1917 is going to win it i think enough people are going to 
have that movie as their number one to get it the win. Um, I think the only one that could really sneak up and surprise is Joker. Um, of course, Joker got the most nominations. It was the only film with the Irishman to get acting, editing, screenplay, director, and picture. Um, so I think, you know, the Irishman just doesn't feel like a front runner to me. Parasite's really fallen off, um, you know, quickly, especially with Sam Mendes really winning most of the director uh, branches, you know, from the Globes on. Um, so I, and for me personally, I think 1917 will eventually take this in the end. Yeah, see, the thing about it is, is I disagree with you there. Only reason I say that is because I think Mendez is going to win director. The only way I see 1917 winning Best Picture is if they give Bong the director nom. If they give him the, the direction. Which I think that I would love if they did because it's deservingly so. To be honest with you, I really wish Parasite would win Best Picture, but I agree with you. I don't think it stands a chance. I think for me... The only one that's kind of a weird sleeper still is Jojo Rabbit. I know it just it has a lot of correlation. It's got a lot of noms. It's just one of those weird films that, you know, I know it didn't get director, but that, that isn't, it's not always exactly telling per se. But uh, I, I don't disagree. I think it's a – The Irishman's still weird. It's still out there, but I do think it is a very much a 19 – I think 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, those are the two films that I think that – you could basically bet the house on that it's going to be one of those, you know, couple of films. I agree 100%. A um, couple of, uh, just a couple off the head uh, snubs or surprises or frustrations. What do you got for me, Jacob? Um, of course, you know, I'm sad The Farewell didn't get in. But, you know, with 1917 getting into original screenplay, I think that was huge, huge for... Um, for its Oscar chances or for its best picture chances. Um, I don't think it's going to win. I don't think it really has a chance of winning. I think this is, I think screenplay is where Bong will get his win because I don't think he's going to win in director or picture. So I think screenplay is where Parasite is going to take it. Um, and I think that 1917 getting the nomination was them winning. Um, I think they won original screenplay because of that. Also, um, Getting the lighthouse in for cinematography was absolutely fantastic. Um, the biggest for me was Rocket Man being snubbed on costume design and um, makeup and hairstyling. Um, when I think costume design was the first ones that were announced, and when Rocket Man missed, I knew it was going to be a long day for for that film. Only getting one nomination. Um, another one. You know, Parasite getting in for production design was big. 1917 in for production design was great. Um, I told you, I've told you since since the dawn of time that Star Wars was going to get in for original score. Um, I don't even think the best tracks were used in the movie, but it is what it is. Uh, and then the best of the entire, you know, entire morning, what made the entire morning was I Lost My Body, Klaus, and The Missing Link all made it into animated feature in a year that was filled with blockbuster reboots, sequels, you know, whatever The Lion King was, I don't even know, you name it. Those three original films, I Lost My Body wasn't even 
released in theaters. It was released, you know, on Netflix. And all three of those films, same with Klaus, actually. All three of those films got in. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, A Hidden World got in, which is great for them. Such a great franchise, such a great trilogy. Toy Story 4 got in, of course, because it's Toy Story. Um, Frozen 2 didn't get in, which I personally really liked. Um, but I think the animated feature was probably the best I felt of the whole um, of the whole morning. Yeah, I lost my body. That was a great one. That one made me really happy. Um, a couple of uh, ones that kind of was shot. Dolomite not being in costume. That one really kind of blew me away. I think the big one for like Rocket Man was, is, and I know. Eric has preached this, and you pre- like the releasing of the movie was terrible. Mm-hmm. If that movie was released in, you know, October or November, I think we're talking about a film that might be leading the pack in nomination nominations that, this morning. That film should have been released when uh, when a beautiful day was released, like right around the Thanksgiving time. Um, even though this one wasn't really a family film, it was that kind of take your parents go see, kind of relive Elton John. Yeah, exactly. It would have been very much like Bohemian Rhapsody was. You know what I mean? Um, Apollo, just... Apollo 11 not being nominated in, in documentary was kind of yeah. surprising, which I really don't care because I think American Factory was the best, um, you know, documentary last year. So I'm very happy that's in. Um, uh, Glasgow not being in for a song that really kind of hurt. I was really hoping that was going to sneak sneak in, and it didn't. And I, it is what it is. I mean, they kind of went back to the well where you know, like Diane Warren's been nominated now like 11 times, and you know, Rocket Man. They had see, a- and that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. They didn't. There were no risks that were taken. It's nothing like well, other than takeaway, other than the animated feature, yeah, nothing exactly. surprised me. Outside of that, you know, outside of that big thing, like yeah. that was, you know, it was very kind of cut and dry. It wasn't very surprising. Like looking back on it, I think I had like three misses in all the big categories, and that to me was like, oh, that I feel like that see, is. I had, I had films. I had like a glass of soju. I thought that was going to get him for Parasite. Um, you know, I was hoping for Avengers Endgame in original score, like stuff like that that usually happens. I mean, it happened all last year. And, you know, the discourse, whatever, you know, you might have hated whatever happened last year, but it was it was very, you know, entertaining and it kept me engaged. And this year, you know, I kind of woke up, I saw the Oscar nominations, I wasn't surprised and I kind of just fizzled out. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't too excited or upset about really anything. Um you know, it's this is the same stuff we've been hearing for the last eight, nine months that was going to happen, and nothing changed at all. Um, I think the same thing is going to happen Oscar night. Um, you know, that doesn't mean it's a bad year for movies. I think it was absolutely a great year for film. I think that's why it might have been like this. But, yeah, it just – there was nothing – there were no risks. There were no – there was not that surprise, aside from animated feature, there wasn't that surprise like – holy shit, this got in type of thing, you know? Yeah, I totally, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm a hundred percent on board with you and, and I don't disagree uh, one bit. All right, folks, we're going to, we're tackling the best of decade. I think the competition that Jacob and I are going to have is going to be a whole lot of fun. But before we move on, this is going to be brought to you by NashvilleNoise.com. All genre music, entertainment, and lifestyle online publication, bringing you everything that's making noise in Nashville. Jacob, let the audience know what we're doing, how they're how we're gonna make it work, and what they can do to help Ricky win this entire competition. So with the uh, with the 2010s ended up, we're doing the best of the tens bracket showdown. Um, 
you know, this isn't what we think are the best and greatest films ever. These are just going to be our favorite films of the past decade. Uh, we're going to put it up. You know, we're do, we will announce our one through eight in just a minute. And if all these, you know, match up and we can get it through, then we'll just give you our next seven uh, just because we have a top 15 ready to go. Um, but the matchups will be, you know, my one versus rookies eight, my eight versus rookies one. We will do these each week on Twitter and let you guys um, vote on who you think has the better film. Uh, um, they'll be done through our podcast Twitter. And of course, Ricky and I will both retweet it. Um, the podcast Twitter is at MCDI pod. By the time that this is up, it should be good to go. Um, I'm going to try to get those up as soon as possible. Um, and with that being said, we can start with Ricky. What is your number one film of my, the past decade? My number one film, I already know you haven't seen it, but my number one film of the last decade is Nocturnal Animals. Okay. And my number one film of the last decade, it was hard. Um, you know, it, I... I wasn't sure if I wanted to take a film that was just released in this past year. And, you know, it's, it's sat with me for a little while and I really think that no film has ever affected me the way honey boy has. And I'm putting honey boy at my number one of the decade. Cause it's not the number one of my decade. It's the number one of my entire life. It's, you know, my favorite film I've ever seen. Um, and so my number one of the decade is Honey Boy. Who's your number two? My number two is a film that came out two years ago, and that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I think the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it's the best animated film I've ever seen. Uh, it's the best comic book movie I've ever seen. It's just top to bottom, absolutely incredible. And what is your number two? My number two is La La Land. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, everybody knows my love for La La Land. So um, that was a rather easy choice for me. And then going into my number three is a movie that came out um, last year, or this year, technically last year now as well. Um, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's Parasite. Um, I just... I can't, I can't stop thinking about this film. Films that keep you up at night. And that's the biggest reason why I picked Nocturnal Animals as well. It's one of those films that just has... It's such a ruthless, raw script that is just mind-blowing good. And Parasite, just... The twist and turns within Parasite just kind of make you go out of this world. So, Jacob, what you got at number three? My number three is... Again, it was released you know, two years ago. But the same as Honey Boy, this film affected me so much, and it's one of my favorite scripts of all time, and that is Eighth Grade. Um, I love this movie top to bottom. You know, and this is so just honest and raw for me personally. I could put myself in every situation that Kayla was going through was the exact same situation I went through just on the flip side of the gender spectrum. Um, moving on to my number four is what I think might be one of the best movies, best made movies, acted all around one of the best films 
of all time, and that is Roma. I know Ricky's not so big on Roma as I am, but I really think what Alfonso Cuaron did with that film, um, what the performances that came from it, I I can't stop thinking about this film, you know, still to this day. I just recently purchased the Criterion to be sent to my home, and that's February 11th. I'm going to get that, and I'm going to pop it in and watch it immediately. Um, it's just such a beautiful and just such a raw film from start to end um how he made the movie how they acted the film you know bringing back like i said earlier bringing back a style that was done in the 40s and the 50s and not really seen a lot since i mean most modern films are done in this same style just done with more studio production than what um than what this film got and what more neorealist films in the past got and i just i love this movie so much my next uh my number four film is probably um one of just my all-around favorite fun movies to watch and that is wolf of wall street um i love wolf of wall street so much this film is this was for the first time we got to see Leonardo DiCaprio just go buck wild in a role. And this film is, it's funny, it's crazy, it's insane, it's intense. It's got so many amazing performances in it from top to bottom. Even the small little cameos from actors within the film. You just had a very... Just, um, I don't know. I just love Wolf of Wall Street. I think the writing was great. The direction was great. I read this book before I even watched the movie, and I thought it was spot on. Obviously, everything is a little bit Hollywoodized at times, but this film was beautiful. I loved it. Um, DiCaprio is amazing in it. DiCaprio is amazing, period, but that's beside the point. Um, and I just loved Wolf of Wall Street. And then transitioning into... Um, another great film. It was great direction, great performance. One of the biggest, just disappointing Oscar snubs of our time all the way around. This film should have not been won every single one that it was nominated for. Um, you know, it did win for screenplay. It did win for editing. It did for win for score. But the social network is... A, I, I knew it before you said it. I already <laughs> typed it up. The The direction was phenomenal. Um, the fact that it didn't win direction that year was heartbreaking. Um, this film was amazing. Uh, Eisenberg was amazing. Garfield was amazing. It, it's, it's a phenomenal film. It's one of the best of the decade. It's one of the best of all time. Um, I love the social network. So what do you got for us at the five slot, Jacob? So look, I promise I will get out of these past two years because I know the decade was not more than two years. But for me, in my five, I just flipped it. But 1917, you know, everything I said about Rome, I can say about 1917. It's just it's one of the best films I've ever seen in my entire life. It's it's a perfect movie. It the score is incredible. The direction, the entire one shot style, um, is incredible. You know, George McKay gives one of just the most incredible performances. I I walked into this, I walked into the final scene where all George McKay does is run, and the score is pounding, 
and I was walking in to clean it and I got chills down my spine and I started shedding a tear and that's when I knew that this had to be in my top. Um, you know, just like I said about Honey Boy, this is probably one of my top five favorite films um, of all time. And so I had to put it into my top 10 or into my top eight here. Um, moving on from that, I'm finally getting out of the last two years and I'm moving down to 2014 and I am talking about Birdman. Uh, I think Birdman, you know, I think what Sam Mendes did with the one shot in 1917, I think is a little more advanced than what Alejandro Inarritu did with Birdman. But I still think it was incredible what he did. I think that, you know, that's an acting showcase to the T. I think, you know, Michael Keaton, that was it, it. After seeing that film, it blew my mind that that was one of his first real dramatic roles um, because he was just so good in it. It gave my favorite Edward Norton performance of all time. It created Emma Stone as a bona fide you know, Academy superstar. Um, it really was, you know, I, we talk about the one shot in 1917 so much, but this really was one of the first films that really went to that style. And I mean, it's just, it's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to just everything all around. I, I love this movie. I could play this movie every day of my life and uh, love it more and more every day. All right, so my number six, um, it's it, 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 I love this movie. Uh, I just one of my favorite scenes is is this man goes in there and says, "I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later, and we're gonna have to hurt some people." And when he looks back at him, he says, "What? Whose car are we gonna take?" And to this day, this film has just resonated with me in ways that. Not very many films do, and that's 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 the Ben Affleck directed film, The Town. I love this film. The final sequence with Fenway Park is some of the best shooting, best shot sequences of any kind of action-ish style film that you will ever see. Um, I thought it was a very well written script. I thought it was a fantastically directed film that had so many good performances. Rebecca Hall was was breathtaking in this film. I loved her in this film. Um, I don't think that she got enough credit for her role in that. And of course, Affleck was amazing, and so was Redner. John Ham John Ham was fantastic as well. There just it was a loaded cast, a loaded film that was action packed, was full of just. I don't know, just knock down, drag out, just suspense. It had everything. To, it checked every single box. It's all. It's been in my top four on my, on my profile on um, on Letterbox forever, um, and it won't go anywhere just because it's one of my all time favorite films, and I love it so much. And that's gonna transition into my number six film. Actually, sorry, hold on, one, two, three, four, five. That's six, right? No, seven, Phil. Yeah, this will be your seven. Okay, so my seventh film was Honey Boy, so that's going to be knocked out now because. Oh, I'm I'm actually very surprised we had one that was the so, that was the same. So Honey Boy was my seven. So knocking that out because you had it obviously ranked higher than I do was another film for me. We're gonna go back to 2012, and the moment that I fell in love 
with Bradley Cooper and the moment I fell in love with Jennifer Lawrence in David O. Russell's fantastically directed and amazingly written film, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, this is one film that I've watched so many times and it gets so much better on every single occasion. Just the way that they just portrayed Cooper's character and then the craziness that Jennifer Lawrence brought to the table and understanding that this film is just it's a beautiful film i love it i can't it it was so hard for me to have it so low but the crazy thing about it was is for me honey boy affected me a little bit more than silver linings playbook did but it, it did and honey boy i wanted to put it higher i really did i knew i didn't stand a chance at getting it inside this competition because i knew that i couldn't i wasn't going to put it in my top four and I knew that I would not have a chance at putting Honey Boy on the list. I knew I had to put it anyway because we we wanted to that the variance of potentially having a film that we were going to overlap, and that was the one. But Silver Lining Playbook is a amazing film that I love so much. Jacob, hit us with number seven and number eight. So my number, we actually, I'm I'm actually shocked we had one that overlapped because you'll you'll never guess my number eight in a million years. And my number seven is Denny Villeneuve, the director of the decade, his Prisoners. Um, I think Prisoners is – it's such a great film, top to bottom. Um, I think it's it's just beautifully crafted. Roger Deakins' cinematography is absolutely incredible. Has some, one of my favorite just shots of all time of Paul Dano looking through the, the – um, you know, looking through the eye hole and having the light come in uh, through to him. Um, Hugh Jackman is incredible. Jake Gyllenhaal is incredible. The whole story, the whole, you know, puzzle, mystery aspect, the thriller aspect of it. I I think this, this film should have just eaten up every single Oscar in its way. And for some reason, it just didn't. Um, but I'm still. I mean, I'm. I'm more than happy that it is around and it is here. I mean, it's just such an incredible, incredible film. Number eight. Um. Do you have any guess? I have not a slightest idea, so I'm ready to hear this. My number eight is from a director who directed probably one of the worst films of the entire decade. One of the worst superhero films of the entire decade, but at the same time, in my opinion, directed the best live action superhero film of the decade, and that is Josh Trank for Chronicle. I absolutely just over the moon adore this film. It was the start it really was the start of Michael B. Jordan's career. It was the start of Dane DeHaan's career. You know, this is the first film that Michael B. Jordan went from a TV actor to a movie actor, and he absolutely delivered everything. It it took something that was kind of really getting into style with the handheld camera footage and everything, and created a basically a superhero film out of it. And the whole final sequence, the whole final fight between, you know, Dane DeHaan and uh, Alex Russell is just absolutely breathtaking. It's full of so much emotion. 
and it feels it's, it hurts so much but you also like you understand so much and the final shot of him actually going to the mountains um you know in tibet is just gosh i just i i rewatched this film over the summer and it's it struck a chord with me that i just i love this movie this is really this is really one of the first films that i saw that the rest of my friends didn't like and i was like this this film is it's basically perfect and that's my number eight i don't assume that you had any guess in the world no. uh what it was um but yeah so that that's my number so eight are you are you ready okay so obviously you knocked so you you really threw me for a loop because i really only wrote down 10 films so <laughs> So not only did you knock Honey Boy out, but you also knocked Prisoners out now too. Oh wow, really? Um, Prisoners oh. is one of my all-time favorite films. The ending of that movie is phenomenal. The, yeah, the whole whistle, yes. uh, the final shot where he hears the whistle is just. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that until like the second time I watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this yeah. is incredible!" Yeah. So uh, <laughs> now I'm put on the spot here of what film that I am going to put here. There are several films that I'm looking at right now that are really just... I love that. That is... All right. So I've got two films... That's my... awesome. I've got, I've got two films in my head right now. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to go eeny, meeny, miny, mo here in my head. But one, of the, one, both of these films really affected me in ways that I didn't understand going into seeing them, either one of them that they were going to affect me the way they did. Um, in one hand, you have a phenomenal story, a written story that's original, that was that blew my mind. And then you have, on the other hand, you have a film that was a remake that had been done before. Um, man, I, <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to be put on the spot here. <laughs> Live it. on the air. Oh, my goodness. I love it. That's why... Th okay, this is why... Neither of us told each other what they were before, just to get this reaction, because this is so cool. Um, Alright, so I am going to have to go with a film from... I'm just going to have to go with The Star is Born. Um, that's, a, that's a great pick. Um, it was To be honest with you, it was either that or Captain Fantastic, and I'm still not 100% certain. Oh, God, that's a great pick, too. I'm, not, I'm still not 100% certain I made the right choice, but A Star is Born, going into this film, I, I think the biggest thing for me is, is the way that Bradley Cooper transformed himself for this movie. He poured his heart and his soul into this role, and you could feel it, and you could see it. And, and the way that he portrayed this character that was just so raw and emotional. Not only, like, it, it's just, there's so many layers of this film that just go, just blow your mind. And, and for me personally, like, it, I, I still, the biggest thing I think that I took this movie over Captain Fantastic. And Captain Fantastic is one of the best films. The originality of the film, I, I love it. George McKay gives a phenomenal performance in that mm -hmm. as well. Um, and then, of course, Vigo. I mean, I feel like, you know, he should have been hands down. I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I, it's for just for me, this film has affected, like, The Star is Born has affected me in so many different ways because I still, to this day, I play the music over and over again in my car all the time. It's on every single one of my playlists. And 
you know, the, the songs in the movie are just heartbreaking. And Lady Gaga's performance in this film was mesmerizing. And, and I, like I said, it just, you sit there and, and, and you think when you're watching the film and you're watching her sing, um, you know, always remember us this way. And, and you know, you just have, there's just so many different, like there's just so many different feels and, and just heartbreaking things that you witness and then you just have that, that the chords where you know it, it switches from her to him and the way he wrote the song and articulated the song from the start from finish i just love the way the film was directed it was acted to perfection sam elliott just gave a gut-wrenching performance in this film as well it, it's still fresh in one, of, one of the best crying scenes ever um when he it's it just it, everything about that film thinking about it it still rips me in a thousand pieces um no yeah i can i completely agree it's just it's a beautifully shot film it's a beautifully directed film like the biggest thing that i love about this film and i I think that it it take the biggest thing i take away from this film is is watching a man pour his heart and soul into something and be so proud of what he did and Mm -hmm. that to me is and to understand that this is the first film that he ever directed you know what i mean the first mm-hmm. time that he sat behind that chair, you know, help writing the songs, help writing the movie. You, you have all these different layers, and it's just, it's a its a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And to this day, I'm still upset that he lost to a guy that lip sync with fake teeth, and I am still upset about that. So I'll give it a Star is Born and sliding into my number eight because you knocked two uh, mine out. So I love that so much. Um, well, I guess if you don't have a top 15, I can I'll just round out the rest of my 15 just super quick. Um, you know, ones that barely made the cut. Toy Story 3 I had at number 9, Logan I had at number 10, Dunkirk I had at number 11, Big Hero 6 I had at number 12, Her I had at number 13, Hell or High Water I had at number 14, and then at number 15 I had 22 Jump Street. So it's kind of um, funny. So the, I have, I actually have a few here. So I can round it out. Okay. So the funny, there's a few. Hell or High Water's in mine. Hers in mine. Um, obviously, Captain Fantastic. I had Once Upon a Time. I had Twelve Years a Slave and Marriage Story. I think that's like sixteen, but what it is, what it is. And yeah, I, Twelve Years a Slave was super close. Um, you know, I, I think this will be a lot of fun uh, just to go over. So the first round is going to be. Honey Boy versus Star is Born, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse versus Silver Linings Playbook, 8th Grade versus The Town, Roma versus The Social Network, <laughs> that's 1917. That's a, that's a battle of all battles right there, man. Yeah, that one, man, that that is going to be a gut puncher. That We got to get the most, uh, the most love on that one because that one's going to be huge. Um, 1917 versus The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, again, a big battle. Birdman versus Parasite. Uh, La La Land versus Prisoners. And then I'm kind of actually glad that Nocturnal Animals was your number one. Uh, not saying it's a bad film, but it's not as well known as some of these because um, it's Chronicle versus Nocturnal Animals. I feel like those are two like kind of low-key uh, you need to, basically, what great, you're trying to say right films. now is you need to see Nocturnal Animals because if you loved Prisoners as much as you say you do since it's in your top eight, Nocturnal Animals is better than Prisoners was. Wow. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to get to it. 
Um, and that's the thing. For me, Nocturnal Animals is the best made movie, in my opinion. Just the when you watch the film, you understand what I'm saying. It has a phenomenal performances. It has great acting, the great directing. It has it checks every single box imaginable, man. But folks, yeah. head on over to Twitter. Make sure you vote, 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 vote for every single one of either one of our movies. I won't make it biased. I'm excited. I love it. I'm really excited. Um, head on over. Follow. Uh, go, head on over to GeekVibeNations.com. Give them a follow as well at GeekVibeNation. Give the pod a follow at MCDI Pod. Give uh, Cardi a follow at Cardi Hallwell. Give the Nashville Noise a follow at Nashville Noise. Give Jacob a follow at MCDI Pod underscore Pod. Give myself a follow at Ricky Flair underscore. And thank you so much for tuning in. I think I might not only just release this as a collective whole podcast, I might release the nomin- this as a collective whole separately as well, just so people can hear this alone. Because I'm really excited about this competition. It's really pumped. It's really full of fun. And it was great to talk about it on the air. And then kind of the the, the nuances of some things that kind of happened towards the end of the podcast. So I'm very excited about it. Jacob, thank you so much, man. I can't wait to destroy you. And I love... Let me before we go. I want to say this about Jacob and I. We have, as you heard with some of our lists, list. We have a lot of same opinions on film, and then obviously, as you heard earlier in the conversation, we were talking about Joker. We got heated, but the thing about it is, at the end of the day, we talk about film. We love film. We don't disrespect each other's opinions. We don't, you know, insult each other's opinions. I make fun of him for his uncut gems things, but I never one time say to him, you know, well, you're an idiot for that opinion. So remember remember that. When you're talking to somebody on Twitter, it's their opinion. They feel this way about a certain film. And, you know, like I said, we joke about it. We laugh about it. Jacob and I joke and laugh about so many different things. But our love of film brought us together as a collective whole. And that, to me, is exciting part to bring each and every week to talk film with you and then also on Twitter with other individuals. So that's all I've got to say. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, um, I just one quick thing. I don't know if he cut it off or not, but I did not. yeah, if you're if you're talking to someone on Twitter um, and you have a difference of opinion, try to explain your opinion. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing. Let's not belittle people for having a difference of opinion. That's what makes you know. That's what makes Twitter. That's what makes film. That's what makes everything so great is having that difference of opinion. So instead of saying, um, you know, instead of saying I hated joker because you know i hated it and you're you know even if you don't call someone dumb or say you know they're stupid or whatever for hating it try let's try to explain ourselves i mean that's something i do with ricky all the time um you know if he has a if he has an issue with uncut gems i mean that's the one i've been fighting for a while but i usually and he can attest to this i try to explain kind of why i liked the film as much as i did and you know maybe he doesn't like it maybe that's not going to pers- change his opinion but he can start to understand why i like it so much and so let's try to do that um let's try to do that more instead of putting people down I agree 100 until until next time so we'll talk to you guys soon drive safe